0: And thanks for having me, Golden Bay. It's a pleasure to be able to join you, even if we're not person uh, in person. It's great to be able to join you together today um, over the medium of Zoom. I don't know how, how have you guys been coping with COVID nineteen. Good, indifferent, bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting. it has been, as they say, unprecedented. That word. Just make sure you're uh, muted if you are unmuting yourself, otherwise you'll uh, be hearing you at the same time as me. But it's been interesting. Um, we've been coping pretty well, uh, but the one thing I haven't been coping too well with is the lack of sport. If you've uh, heard me preach about it before, I quite often talk about sport because I am a sport uh, nutter and... Uh, I haven't joined in with the NRL, but I was a bit busy on Thursday and Friday night, but I am very much looking forward to uh, the AFL getting back. It's only 11 sleeps, 11 sleeps till the competition um, resumes. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And uh, it's Thursday, the 11th day after my wife's birthday, but which I'm very much looking forward to her birthday as well. But I'm very much looking forward to the AFL. And I found myself looking for different sort of ways of, competition. And uh, I have found myself in the last couple of weeks watching The Voice with my daughters, which I don't normally do because I'm not really into uh, The Voice, but they are. And uh, I've been I've been watching that with them. And I don't know if you, has anyone seen The Voice? Put your hand up if you've seen The Voice. Shake your head if you haven't. A few people have, a few people haven't. Well, basically it's a singing competition. They try and have one winner. But Um, And the difference to other shows is they have like a blind audition where the judges can't actually see them. But um, it's not only a singing competition, they try and suck you in with the emotional heartstrings pull. So um, quite often they actually give a sort of a bit of a background story to the um, person who's auditioning. And this week I saw one guy who, um, he was a singer, but he's also a guitarist. um, and And he talked a bit about his backstory um, and his dad had all his life, um, up until the age of about 14 or 15, taught him how to play guitar. And that's where he had grown his passion to to uh, play the axe. Um, but his dad then, they didn't go into too many details, but they said he said his dad found religion and he moved overseas to follow that calling um, and he took his family with him. Um, but when the son had grown up and wanted to be you know, full-time career, what he wanted to be is a musician. And his dad had sort of changed. His dad um, gave him the ultimatum, choose God or choose music. And he even said, choose family or choose music. And this guy was that passionate about music that he actually chose music. And he has been sort of cut off from his family, which is a horrendously sad story full of, uh, you know, despair and, and sadness. And, And we can sit back and hear a story like that and think, well, that's horrible theology. And we would very quickly poo-poo it or rubbish it and think, you know, that guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. But thinking about it um, in in the few days since, I think it comes from a place that's not all that far removed from what we have grown up with. Not all that far removed from what we have been taught. And I think it comes from... A limited view of the story of Easter—the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus—and we're going to have a look at that today. We're going to uh, check that out, and you may be baffled a bit by that statement. But we're going to—I'm going to go into that a little bit after we read Ephesians chapter one, verses one to fourteen. And I'm reading from the message ver- message version. So if you don't have that in front of you, then just listen to my dulcet tones. So it's Ephesians one, verses one to fourteen. I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God, our Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all before us in Christ, a long range plan, in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first instalment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. So that was Ephesians 1. Now, this dad, who I talked about from The Voice, who um, had turned his back on music, we, as I say, we don't know the ins and outs of the whole story, but if you sort of expand his thought pattern out, then basically saying everything that is not directly of God should be done away with. So good things like prayer, reading the Bible, telling others about God, direct ministry stuff, that's all good, but everything else, the day-to-day things in life, like stuff that makes up 99% of our days, like gardening, writing, eating food, preparing food, coffee, coffee's a big one for me, schoolwork, our work, our jobs, relationships, music, the list goes on. This stuff that makes up most takes up most of our time, if we are not finding out about God, or if we're not telling others about God, what is the actual point? of all this other stuff. Like we've become believers of Jesus and followers of, of Jesus Christ, but what is the point of all these other things in our lives? Are we just like in a sort of doctor's waiting room surgery, waiting to get in to heaven, waiting for the good stuff, waiting around for heaven? And as I said before, I think this comes from a limited view of what happened with Jesus, a limited view of the story of Easter, the death, resurrection, resurrection ascension of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to explore today. Because we often think, and we've been taught traditionally in the Western church, that Jesus came and he died to appease the angry wrath of his father. He came to satisfy the holiness and satisfy the justice of God. All the human guilt is placed on Jesus at the cross. God's punishment is poured out on him. He takes it on the chin And God's justice is satisfied and we are forgiven. We have now become legally clean. Now, that's what we've been brought up to believe, isn't it? But if this is correct, then we are basically basically saying that Jesus comes in order to rescue us from God or even change God so that we, us little humans, can be forgiven. As I alluded to earlier, this is what we've been brought up in learning this is what we've been traditionally been taught but when you think about it how can this possibly be correct if jesus says if you have seen me then you've seen the father basically saying that he and his dad are one if this is the case then how does he sort of split himself one part going down to earth to change the other part or to appease the other part it just doesn't make sense I think we need to today go back and start the conversation in reevaluating our skewed view of God, our warped view of the Trinity. The Father, the Son and the Spirit have always existed in a passionate and joyous fellowship, a circle of shared life, full of creativity, full of joy, full of delight, full of total love for each other full of enjoyment of one another, a full life. We don't get a picture in the Bible that it's an empty one. It's a full life, a complete life. We don't get a picture of a God who is in need or a God who got lonely or a God who got bored or even need his ego stroked. But we get this picture of a full passionate circle of life and love and fellowship. It's relationally rich, it's beautiful and it's good. And it's just full, so much so it's full to the point of overflowing. So the very natural thing for them to do is want to share this. So why create? Why did God create the universe? Why create mankind? Why create animals, flowers, trees, and millions and millions upon beautiful things that we see around us in this world? Why create play? Why create work and relationships? Why create romance? food, laughter, sports, the Trinity, the God had three-in-one created in order to include us. Their goal was to draw us into the circle, into their circle, into their shared life, so that we too can experience it with them. What they had together, they wanted to share with us. They wanted to play out in our human lives. So, we could share in their knowledge and laughter and fellowship, share in their insights, share in their creativity and music, in their joy, in their intimacy, their goodness. So, as I said, that it can all be played out in our lives. But that's fine. How did they do that? How did they bring us in as humans? How did we become part of the circle? Well, one of them was always going to have to become a human. Otherwise, it's just them doing their own little Trinity thing up there, and we doing our own little humanity thing down here, and never the two shall meet. As St. Arrhenius puts it, Jesus, he says, Jesus became what we are in order to bring us to be what he is in himself. That was their plan all along. Now, we normally think God created, we sinned through Adam and Eve and we turned our backs on him, And therefore, God went, uh oh, plan's gone completely wrong. We need to come up with another plan. We need to change our plan. We're going to have to split ourselves up and send down Jesus. So then we end up with the story of Easter. But as we've just read in Ephesians chapter 1, long, long before the earth's foundations were laid, long ago, it was the plan all along to include us through Jesus. Jesus was always coming. Adam and Eve fell, we fell, and God resoundingly said, let's stick to the plan. Let's bring them in. Let's send him. There always needed to be a human within the Trinity. If we were, as humans were going to share in their circle, share in their fellowship, or as one of my favourite theologians puts it, share in their dance. And did it work? Did he draw us into the circle, this Trinity fellowship, the Trinity dance? Yes, it did. Jesus says in John 19, it says, it is finished, verse 30. He became human. He lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended to the Father as a human. And that's not something we think about too often. He didn't just come down to earth, put on this sort of human suit or human costume, and then when he got back up into heaven, he took it off and hang it up in his heavenly closet or wardrobe. Jesus became human. He ascended as a human and is and always will be a human. There is a human within the Trinity so that we can share in what they have. He didn't come just to appease the wrath of God. Otherwise, he finishes his job here on earth, takes off his human suit, as I said, and then becomes a spectator, watching us from this sort of heavenly distance There's no connection between us as humans and the Trinity. Our human lives under this model that we've been brought up on have become ordinary, merely human under this model. We've reduced the work of Jesus to the tiniest possible amount. A spectator in heaven who says we are in or we are out when we die. And that's, that's would be his role. We're just here to wait here on earth and do good so that we don't go to hell in the afterlife. Our lives, our 99% of our lives on on earth are just ordinary. Our parenting, our careers, sport, food, playing, gardening, writing, creating, laughing, coffee, friendships, joys, creativity and romance, they would all be left outside the Trinity, outside the circle, because all that's just meaningless human stuff. But hallelujah, if you're all unmuted, I hope you'll be joining me in this hallelujah, that this is not the case. Let me say it again. Jesus became human. He ascended as a human and is now and always will be a human, a human within the Trinity, so that we can share in what they have. That is fantastic. We have been included. We have been adopted We have been brought into the family. He has picked us up and carried us home into his family so that we can be part of it. So the goal has been achieved. The plan is complete. There is nothing whatsoever that we have to do. Jesus was sent to find us and bring us home. And he did just that. He drew us into the circle, into the Trinity, into his fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. We are in. We have a home. We are. So from this point on, we must think about who we are, not who we can be one day. This is huge. In Jesus, we must rethink what we thought we knew about ourselves, what we thought we knew about others, what we thought we, knew, felt we had to do because he has already done it. As Paul writes, he says, we have been made whole and holy. We've been given a place in the circle, in the fellowship, in the dance. And when you look at it through this lens, you see yourself in a whole new light, in the true light. There is nothing ordinary about us. There is nothing ordinary about our lives at all. We are the living expression of the glory, the joy and the beauty and love of the great dance of the Father great dance of the sun and the spirit we are in as i said we are home we are now i caught up talk about looney tunes in my in my uh, sermon so maybe you've heard me talk about this before but the problem is with this remember looney tunes and there was one character i can't remember what it was but had a little sort of devil on one shoulder a little angel on the other nod your head if you can remember that if you don't grasp the concept but ba- basically we, know, we hear this today, but we have the father of lies sitting on our shoulder. The devil himself trying to distort, distort this truth. He tries to hide it. He tries to hide from us our identity in Christ. He whispers into our ears constantly, not that we are, he whispers that we are not. We are not in. We have been left out. He whispers we are not. We are not good enough. We haven't made it. If only you were better looking. If only you were smarter. If you only had this technology. If you only had this. If you only had a better car. If only you had a better house. If only you had kids. If only you had a better relationship. If only you had a relationship. He gets us chasing after all these things. Taking our eyes off the fact that we are He distracts us. He has has us chasing these idols. And he does it in so many ways. And those ways have been changing. And social media is a big part of that now. But in the old days, magazines and newspapers and TV, but these days the internet. And he can do it through people. He can do it through the people that we love. He can do it through the parents that brought us up. He could do it through the church that we've been brought up in, constantly telling us that we are not good enough. So what do we do? We strive after all these things that the devil is whispering in our ear. And when we achieve them, they are like a good meal that looks great. It looks fantastic. But when you bite into it, there's something not quite right. There is something unfulfilling about it. I remember, uh, as I said at the start, I'm a sports nutter. And I remember staying up really late in a little country town in Western Victoria in 1987 watching the Wimbledon uh, final. And Pat Cash, if you, if you don't know about Australian sport, he, he went on to win that and he beat Ivan Lendl. And I stayed up well into the wee hours of the morning and, and I loved it. And he was just ecstatic. I don't know if you remember this. and If you don't, I'll try and explain it. But he, he won it. He fell to his knees. And then basically the first thing he did, he broke all the protocols and he climbed the grandstand to go and hug his mum and hug his dad, which is not on at Wimbledon in those days because everything had to be prim and sort of proper. But he was just elated. He was fist-pumping and you could see the emotion on his face. And it was just huge. And he held aloft the trophy And I thought, man, this guy is really, really happy. Bizarrely enough, years later, I heard um, um, someone interview um, Pat Cash on the radio about this. And he said, I was struck by this a lot. He he said he held aloft the Wimbledon um, Cup or the trophy. And in his mind, he was happy. But in his mind, he said, is this it? is this what I have been putting in hour hour, hour after hour after hour, hitting tennis ball after tennis ball after tennis ball? He wanted to win Wimbledon. That was his big goal. Like he enjoyed it, but he says, is this it? And I was struck by that. When we listen to the devil, when we go after chasing the idols, they always leave us wanting more. But in life, as in in, in Looney Tunes, there's a little, not an angel, but there's a little Holy Spirit, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, sitting on the other shoulder, who's whispering in our ear. And the Holy Spirit is whispering, you are in. We are in. There is nothing that we have to do. It has all been done. Relax, enjoy then, when we see ourselves, we see the world, we see the world in a whole different way when we listen to that Holy Spirit. Our relationships, our passions, our gardening, our riding, our, our cleaning, if that's what you're into, if you are, come on around. <laughs> our sport, our food, our woodwork, all that is good. All that Jesus Christ has given meaning to. When we participate in these things, We are sharing in the union of the fellowship of the circle that Christ has brought us into. We are free to just enjoy it. Not as a goal like Pat Cash's Wimbledon dream, but as something that we are participating in, something that we are now free to enjoy, both now and forever. Now, Pat Cash's Wimbledon goal was not wrong, but the pressure is off. Pat Cash is not defined by that achievement. In the scheme of what we are talking about here, he is free, abundantly free, as Paul puts it, to participate and chase his dreams, his goals, the list goes on. Because he's not defined by what he achieves. We are defined by who we are in Christ. Christ has overtaken our lives and he has included us. He's included us in his dance with the Father and the Spirit. This is our identity now. This is what our lives are all about. We have been made whole and holy. So when we go to work and when we're a student or when we're playing cricket in the street or when we're creating things or when we're celebrating things or when we're having an afternoon nap or we're at work or our relationships, our loves, our friendships, the great dance of the Trinity is being played out in our lives, in the lives of the world, in all that is good, in all that he has given meaning to. Now, when Jesus comes back a second time, all the rottenness will be burnt away. But in the meantime, the Holy Spirit is doing a powerful work in our lives to reinterpret who he is what he has done and who we have become in light of that. And normally a preacher finishes with a prayer, but I'm going to read those verses that we read out at the start as the closing of our sermon. From verse 3, it says, How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid the earth down the earth 's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled us as the focus of his love to be made whole, to be made holy by his love. long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ and what pleasure he took in planning this he wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything that we could possibly need letting us in on the plans that he took so much delight in making. He set it all before us in Christ. It was a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation found yourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first instalment of what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. This life starts now. Hallelujah. Back over to you, Keniki.